14. Thank you, Bethany. If my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Will humble themselves. Now, is there anything in the New Testament about being humble? Uh, There's tons of it, right? So if my people, are we God's people? If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if he died, you go to heaven. You've received his free gift of eternal life. Are you his child? Absolutely. So if my people, so I, anyone that uh, could say yes to that, which is us, if my people will do what? If we'll humble ourselves, what else? Pray. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, could you get a couple of the books, too? I think we had a couple visitors tonight. Thanks. So if my people who are called by my name, what? If they'll humble myself, they'll pray. That's why we're praying. Uh, we're not praying just because it's a good thing to do in a church. We're praying with a purpose. Uh, and specifically right now, praying, praying for God to move within our midst, praying for specifically a revival, that God would do something wonderful over the rest of the entire year, really, as uh, we look to him to revive things. So what do they do? Seek my face through what? Through prayer. And here's the big one. And we talked about this last Sunday. And uh, three specific things uh, that we looked at uh, when we turned from our wicked ways. So three different messages we did last Sunday as we center on this concept of revival about you got to look at yourself. In fact, when you're you're sharing the gospel with somebody and trying to... uh, uh, lead them, if you will, to faith and trust in Christ, what is the first part of the gospel? What do you have to know? That you're a sinner. Now, I can see this chair is not going to work because I can't see everybody's face. So if I can get untangled here, I'm not even sure how I got tangled up. There we go. Um, Right, you've got to know that you're a sinner. So that's part one of the gospel. Where's Nathaniel? You're the best ever. Can you get one of the big chairs and bring it over here off the, off the platform? I thought this might work, but I see people doing this, and that's not good. I want to be able to see you. So, first thing I know that you're a sinner. Well, what does he say? Turn from your what? Turn from your wicked ways. So that's why we spent all last Sunday. Thank you, brother. By the way, Nathaniel's the best ever, if you didn't know that. We'll do that in just a minute. He's always Johnny on the spot. Now I can see you. There's Lorette. I knew you were hiding behind there somewhere. Uh, but good to see you folks, literally. Uh, so, yeah, we turned from our wicked ways. So we spent the day, all day Sunday. And, and by the way, this place was just about packed out Sunday morning. I mean, it was wonderful. And uh, lots of folks here. And it's wonderful to see everybody filling the place up. And uh, Sunday night, by the way, was this whole section was about full, and it's, it's just been wonderful. So God did some great things Sunday. But as we center on what? Turn from your wicked ways. Then God says, listen, if you pray, if you humble yourselves, if you seek my face, and what else? Turn from your wicked ways. God told the Jewish people back in the Chronicles, which was specifically to the Jews at that time, then I'll hear from heaven, and I will do what? I'll heal your land. So he's telling that to the Jewish people. Now let me ask you. Do you think that if God's people in the church age, the age of grace, did the same four things, do you think God might listen to us? I I really believe it. I mean, I truly believe it. Now, there's other New Testament passages we can use uh, to go to the same thing. But, yeah, God's still living. God still does miraculous things, and God still changes heart. When uh, Larry prayed a few minutes ago, and a young lady got saved, happens to be in the room right now. And uh, Trump placed her faith and trust on Sunday morning when uh, one of our dear ladies, uh, what didn't happen in the service, folks, it happened because uh, uh, just God touched the young lady's heart and the right person was there at the right time and was able to lead her to Christ. And it's like we rejoice in that. Uh, If you weren't here Sunday, and uh, Sunday night I talked about, in fact, uh, I mean, I I take this, do you believe that God's real? I mean, I mean, is he real? And, and he really is. And Sunday night, and I do what I, I hate doing, but it's like, man, I was just, Sunday afternoon, I just rejoicing, having a little, 
I don't know what you call it in a Baptist church, but I had a little fit while I'm walking along the road and listening to Christian music, and God touched my heart, and it was like, man, this is just great what's going on. I came here Sunday night, and uh, it's like, here's what happened Sunday. place was about filled out, which is great. And I, again, numbers don't mean revival, but it, it, it's an indicator. A uh, person gets saved Sunday morning. That's not saying we have revival, but it's an indicator. I get called up from uh, um, uh, Valerie, got a call from uh, the person that takes care of our finances at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and said, I'm still here. And it's like, well, why are you still there? It's like so much money came in. I, I had so many checks to do, so much stuff to count. that It's taken me longer than normal. And uh, uh, including designated offerings, our normal, I mean, our budget, we always exceed budget, but uh, our budget's about 5000 a a week, close to $20,000 came in. And now you say, well, why do you bring that up? I don't preach, by the way, for our visitors, I don't preach on money. Or I, don't, I mean, I just, we've always just trusted the Lord, and uh, occasionally I'll do say something like I do tonight, but it's like God's people were touched, and uh, just an unusually large offering comes in. It's like, well, that is that saying we're having revival? Well, it's not saying we're having revival, but it's an indicator. And uh, uh, folks uh, here Sunday night and, and, and getting calls and people coming up to me and saying, uh, uh, Pastor, God's been doing something in my life, and uh, thank you for preaching what you did. And, and, and it's, it's not about me. It's not about the church building. It's not about the money. Listen, it's all about what? It's all about getting focused on Christ. So the first part was, and uh, this is all, by the way, just a commercial for next Sunday, but, uh, uh, but it's, it's sincere. So what do we do? first Sunday, we, we looked in. It's like, we gotta, we got to be right with the Lord. That's what the, it's telling us here. So that's why we spent three messages on it. This Sunday is going to be different, totally different flavor. We're going to be looking up and not in. So we're going to be looking up, focusing on God. I'm going to some of the great passages about the uh, attributes of God. Who is he? How should we approach him? Uh, uh, I'm not going to get into it now. I, I could preach the message now. I'm excited about it. But uh, three messages. Actually, I'll be doing Sunday a.m. and p.m. And then, Josh, uh, you don't want to miss ABF unless you're in one of the other adult classes, Adult Bible Fellowship at 1045. Uh, Josh Steele will be speaking on uh, a brokenness. He did at the men's breakfast. It was a fantastic message. And uh, I wanted uh, as many as possible to hear that. So I'm looking forward to this Sunday. I trust you are too if you're in town. Folks, let's fill the place up. We're close on Sunday morning. In fact, uh, and I'm sorry for taking so long here, but I'm just, these things are so wonderful, I want to report them if you didn't know about them. Oh, Josh Steele just walked in the room. You know what else happened Sunday morning? He was voted in as the associate pastor here at church. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a wonderful vote, almost unanimous, and um, it's like, praise the Lord. I mean, these are all wonderful things that are going to help move us, if you will, in the right direction of serving God and, and doing what he's asked us to do. So uh, last thing, and then we'll get into Acts chapter 14. You can start turning there, Acts 14. But uh, I, sp I spent a little bit of time this afternoon, it's like, what happens when we literally are filled and there's not a seat left? And by the way, they tell you when you're 80%, you're full. And we're over 80% right now on Sunday morning. So uh, I've told you folks before, if, uh, outside this glass window, you got speakers. And uh, we did that. Uh, we had a super big day here. Uh, harvest gathering out over 400 folks in the building that day. And we filled that back section up with chairs. So uh, we're going to get... Uh, um, some nice padded folding chairs so when we trusting the Lord that will blow the doors off from this section then we can put another 40-50 people back there so don't give up just keep pressing on and let's just keep trusting the Lord to, to do what he's been doing and uh, I'm not counting on anything I, I mean every day I come here it's like hopefully one person shows up but you just keep on coming you keep bringing folks and that's great speaking of Nathaniel uh, I know we got at least one, maybe two or more visitors tonight, so right up here next to Brad. I'm, I'm sorry, what was your name again? Steve. Good to have Steve. Uh, anyone else here for the first time or not been here in a long time? All good? All right. 
Well, uh, again, thanks so much for being here and for our regular folks. This this thing bit the dust. Uh, so, Jack, it's it it's gone. I mean, she just she died. It's gone. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the stand that got stripped and it it won't stay up. So, but that's all right. All right. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 14, and uh, I'll try not to. I'll try to stay within realm here. All right, what we like to say here, and uh, by the way, those watching on the internet tonight, welcome to Union Grove Baptist Church. And uh, we like to say this is the church that God's love is building. So uh, you're always invited here. You can go to, and you'll see it on your screen, our uh, website, myugbc.com, to get all of our service times. And I want to push one other thing real quick, because I see Brad here tonight, and, and boy, I just, I love it, I love it, I love it what God's doing in Simple Steps on uh, Friday night. Starting at 6.30, goes to about 8, correct? It goes until about 9. 9, 6.30 to 9. And there's something to eat there too, right? Always. Always, okay. So there's good food there. Enchiladas uh, this Friday. Say what? Enchiladas on Friday. Uh, I might be uh, stopping by. I might be stopping by. So they got enchiladas. Uh, uh, listen, if you got any issue whatsoever that you struggle with, Anything that, uh, and it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. It could be a dozen other things that it's like, man, I just need some help getting my life in order and working through some tough things. Man, Simple Step 630 right here downstairs. Wonderful, wonderful program. And uh, for those of you here that uh, have placed your faith and trust in Christ, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, to share the gospel. So I uh, appreciate all those that are involved in that ministry. All right, I got to get it. Would you guys stop sidetracking me here? I mean, wow. Uh, all right, so we love to peel God's word one passage at a time, which is what we're going to do tonight out of uh, Acts chapter 14. We'll see how far we get. All right, so Josh Steele was uh, uh, the last two times we met, did uh, the study. Uh, we started going through the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. So remember, uh, Paul gets saved, he gets on fire for the Lord, probably one of the greatest missionaries of all time, one of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest church planters, and of course he was an apostle set on fire by the Lord, and uh, he was busy. So we're going to go through, we're going to pick up where Josh left off at the end of Acts 13 last week, and start to go through this passage and hopefully pick out some more very important details as we look at how God is building his church. Now, we call this the church that God's love is building, and, and, and it really is. Paul was out there loving on people, preaching the gospel, holding folks accountable too at times, but uh, uh, Paul was busy about the Lord's work. So, we, uh, who wrote Acts, by the way? Who? Luke. All right, very good. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote, uh, of course, the book of Acts. And here's what he says. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Well, this is very interesting. They're going into a synagogue, and apparently you have uh, not just Jewish people were showing up, but you also had uh, Greeks or Gentiles showing up at the same time at the synagogue. Now remember, the synagogue, there were no churches basically, or very few churches at that time. I mean, the Apostle Paul uh, basically had just gotten into the start of building New Testament Bible-believing churches. So it was a very small group. So when Paul went to preach, and uh, was Paul Jewish? Did he have a Jewish background? He did. So uh, uh, he could go to the synagogue. He knew the rigmarole. In fact, he was, we'll look at it a little bit later tonight. But Paul was a massive uh, uh, supporter of the Jewish people. He was, uh, what, what type of a Jew was he when you look at it from a religious standpoint? He's a Pharisee. In other words, this guy knew his stuff. He was well taught. He knew the Old Testament law. And uh, he, I mean, before he got saved, he, he was a little bit strong on that, which we'll also look at later. All right, so he goes into the local synagogue, or the place where the Jews met to worship, as uh, I liked what uh, um, Kevin said tonight, they worshiped Yahweh. They, didn't, they wouldn't use the, in fact, a, a Jew today, they will not say the word God, by the way. Um, when they spell it, they go capital G uh, underscore with no letter and then D. 
So the Orthodox Jews refuse to use uh, uh, the name of God uh, because they don't want to be disrespectful or say that which they feel they just don't have the right to. Uh, so anyway, the Jews are there, the Greeks are there, and what does the Bible say? What is Paul preaching to them? Is he preaching Old Testament law to these folks? He's preaching the gospel. In fact, it's going to get him in an awful lot of trouble as he goes to various places. Virtually every place he goes, he gets run out of town. They don't like him. Why? Because he's preaching the gospel. Oh, the old Jewish law is fine. The Torah is fine. The Pentateuch is fine. Preaching out of the prophets is fine. But don't you dare start preaching about that individual named Jesus. But did he have any results? Absolutely did. So he's, he's preaching the gospel. Sure, there's the, distract, the detractors. There's those that are absolutely upset with him, those that want him thrown out of the city. But then all of a sudden, just like happened uh, Sunday, all of a sudden, who's got to work in somebody's heart for him to come to Christ? Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes we get caught up with some of these old-fashioned terms when you hear the term soul winning, that's kind of an old Baptist term, which we don't use much anymore. And there's a reason why not. Do human beings win souls? No. Uh, the biblical term is uh, God says we do two things, and then he takes care of the final process. What two things does God ask us to do? To plant, we plant the seeds. What do we do? So we tell folks the gospel. Then we water the seeds. Well, what does that mean? It means you share the gospel. Then you just keep, I mean, if you plant seeds in your garden, those of you that are in agriculture and have big farms and whatever, what do you do? You plant the seed. And what, you just leave that seed alone? Uh-uh. I mean, you fertilize those seeds and you put the whatever chemicals you need in the ground. And uh, if water isn't coming, you got to figure out how to get things irrigated. So you plant and you water the second you plant the seed, do you get the, you get the wheat or the barley or the um, whatever else you planted? It takes time. You've got to cultivate it. So uh, uh, from a biblical standpoint, some, and I got, my knowledge, the first time I heard the gospel in, at the age of 16, I trusted Christ. But I'd been going to church for 16 years. It wasn't a gospel-believing church, but I had the background. I understood various things in the Bible. I believed there was a Jesus. I believed he died. I believe he, in his death, burial, and resurrection. I just didn't understand that I could be saved and go to heaven by placing my faith and trust in him. But uh, uh, basically, there was planting, and there was watering, and all of a sudden, hey, somebody finally gave the gospel, and the Holy Spirit said, all right, who brings forth the increase? Who brings forth the increase? Folks, you got to know if you don't talk to me, I just keep asking the same old question. So uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the Holy Spirit brings forth the increase and, and brings us to him. All right, so that's what happened uh, when the Apostle Paul's preaching. So as uh, we basically off to where Syria is, he started in Antioch and Seleucia, which I didn't box, but we went down to Paphos, up to uh, Perga, up to Antioch. And now uh, he's over in Iconium preaching. So uh, uh, the spread of the gospel. Now let's just review real quick. When uh, uh, the Lord gave uh, in Acts chapter 1, and, the, and uh, uh, Jesus, right before he ascends, he gave that little statement in Acts 1.8. Go first to where? Go first to where? Jerusalem, where were all the disciples at when uh, Christ ascended? In Jerusalem, they're at the they were in, at the Mount of Olives, literally the temples of you know a half a mile less than a half a mile away, quarter mile away. They're at the Mount of Olives across the street from the temple. Jesus ascends up from the top of the Mount of Olives and he says, "Listen, guys, last instruction. First, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Then where?" Judea. Judea, of course, was the region. Judea is, it would be like the state of Wisconsin, and uh, uh, Union Grove would be a city in the state of Wisconsin. Well, Judea would be like the state of Wisconsin, and Jerusalem would be uh, one of the cities. But he said, listen, I want you to start in Jerusalem. Start where you're at, then let's start spreading the gospel to Judea, one of three regions in Israel. 
All right, let's see how many remember. Three regions. The lowest region is called? The lowest region is called? Judea. Where's Jerusalem? In Judea, number three. Number two, you go a little bit north. First go to Jerusalem, then go to Judea, the, the surrounding area. Then go to? Samaria. Samaria, second major region. By the way, 99% of the folks down here were Jewish. Samaria, different kind of folks lived up there. Those were individuals that basically Jews intermarried with Gentiles, which was, if you remember the story, Jesus is at uh, uh, the woman at the well who's a Samaritan. She was uh, kind of a naughty girl, got in some trouble, uh, but he goes up to Samaria. So that was a different group of people. Then he said after Samaria, where do I want you to go? Everywhere. Well, take a look at what's happening here. They're reaching out to the known world. So the disciples start it. Uh, the Apostle Paul comes to Christ after, of course, a little bit after the ascension of Jesus, and he's doing exactly what God asked him to do. All right, verse 2, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and I like this word, poisoned their minds against the brethren. Folks, do you, I don't know how many, and again, I, I watch the news fairly intently on purpose because I want to know what's going on, especially from what's leading up to things that are prophetic in nature, biblical in nature. Do you see any hatred towards Christians in our society today? Well, that's absolute. Absolutely there is. And uh, uh, this is not something new, by the way. This has been going on forever. God's people have always suffered persecution. In fact, I went through, a, a, a did a word study, and I'm, I'm not going to go through it tonight, but it, it would take a while. I did a study on persecution, 492 times the word is used throughout the New and Old Testament. That's a lot of persecution. And uh, uh, we're going to be talking about that in a minute, but there's tremendous persecution. So it's no, no surprise that the Jews were stirring up. They, we're talking about unconverted Jews. These individuals didn't come to Christ. Now again, did many Jews come to Christ? Do Jewish people still get saved today? They do. All right, I've worked with them with uh, the Friends of Israel. And, and, you know, praise the Lord when uh, God takes the blinders off a Jewish mind and they come to Christ. But he says this, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds. All right, in other words, these are bad people. These are rotten people. Just same, same thing that's happening today, by the way. And it's worse than it ever was. Let's go back just for a second. And by the way, Jolene Appling is going to be here. Sorry, guys, it's for the ladies' uh, lift coming up. Uh, I just was at one of her meetings about a couple of weeks ago. She's on fire for the Lord, I'll tell you. The lady's got a treat coming. But uh, she's very, very, very much into legislative issues, uh, uh, issues that are basically trying to squelch the rights of God's people. And, she, I mean, she's a fireball. She's out there fighting. She goes to... Uh, Madison and, and works on this stuff and fights this stuff. Why? Because she's tired of, of God's people uh, of being persecuted. She's tired of, uh, of folks that their minds are poisoned and they're coming after us. So uh, God bless her for doing that. And you'll enjoy when she's here. If you haven't signed up, by the way, um, Valerie will be here Sunday and sign up. Uh, that includes a lunch, 12 bucks. You can't beat it. If you can't afford it, tell Valerie she'll take care of it for you. All right, verse 3. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. Now, in Scripture, the, the particular Greek word here, when you're talking about a long time, normally refers to about a year's time, give or take a little bit. So they were there a long time, approximately a year, speaking boldly in the Lord. Folks, man, if, if, if we could get to the point where we all would be willing to speak boldly for the Lord. I mean, where, and I'm not saying be mean and obnoxious and ornery and that type of thing, but just be able to walk into some place wherever you are and be able to share Christ, or at least to maybe not get a full gospel presentation. Where's Patty Lee? There she is, right there. I see Patty. Uh, Patty came into my office uh, Tuesday, and uh, she says, Pastor, I want to tell you something. And I'm like, what you got? And she said, I just came from, and she called it the pig, but we're talking about Piggly Wiggly up the street here. Y'all know where the pig is. And uh, she said, I just came from the pig. 
And she said there's a, a, a particular lady there who works there. And uh, she said, well, what do you, she's a bunch, I've seen a bunch of ladies come in and then basically she knew they were from the church here. And uh, she says, you got some kind of prayer meeting or something going today? And, and forgive me if I mess it up a little bit. Hopefully I get close. And Patty says, yeah, you know, we got our Bible study, a little prayer time. And this dear lady says, would you pray for my two grandbabies? They're twins and uh, they need prayer. They're not doing super good. Now, folks, I'm like, praise the Lord. Here's a lady, doesn't attend our church, but our lady's going there. If they didn't say something on occasion about where they go to church or who they believe in, this lady wouldn't have had clue one, but she knew just by these ladies coming in and picking up treats or whatever, she's like, wow, you know, would you pray for my babies, for my grandbabies? I talked about uh, mulberries uh, last Sunday. And I'm like, you know, a ton of us go to mulberries every, well, every now and then. I don't go there every week, but a lot of weeks, and many of you go. And they know who we are. I mean, they know who we are. Uh, we were a Dairy Queen. You say, is that all you do is eat and go to restaurants? Well, pretty much. <laughs> it's a big part of my ministry, folks. If that's got to keep in shape. Anyway, uh, we're a Dairy Queen late Sunday night. And, uh, I mean, I know the owner. You know why I know her? Because it's a mile away from here, and she knows where I go to church, and she knows what we do here, and she knows our folks. And uh, it was 9 o'clock. We, we had like three families there from church, and maybe actually more than that. And uh, we say, you go to Dairy Queen Sunday after church? Y'all, come on down. I always say, go straight to Dairy Queen on the way. I either say, go home or go to Dairy Queen, one or the other. But we were there, and uh, uh, the lady knew who we were. And, and at 9 o'clock, she's, I mean, that poor lady works seven days a week, uh, a lot of hours. And she's, uh, I'll call her a moderate friend right now. And she comes up kind of sheepishly, and she's like, uh, you know, we kind of got to close. So what we do? I, he just walked out, but one of the people that was was there, he stopped to talk with her for a while. I, I said a couple of things to her, walked out, and he's talking with her. Well, you know why? He's trying to present a good testimony to her. And uh, uh, folks, I, I, I really believe this. Part of the revival that we're going to see in the community, not just in Union Grove Baptist Church, is doing this. Listen, folks, you, you tell folks about Christ. You love on them. You're not mean. You're not obnoxious. You give them good tips. Uh, you leave a tract. You leave one of the books, whatever you do, and you just love on them. And uh, we speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We speak the truth in love, and God's going to do things in our community, and we're starting to see it happening. All right. I, I mean, I'm on whopping verse 3 here, and i got 15 minutes. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. Okay, I'm just trying to follow suit. Uh, speaking boldly in the Lord. All right, speak boldly, but speak in love, and God will do things. Who is bearing witness to the word of his grace. Folks, what do you say by? Grace. grace. Um, okay, I got a visitor here, but I, I, I know a little teensy-weensy bit about him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble here. Uh, he just might happen to be involved in simple steps that uh, where we got our program from and uh, been involved in it down there. Uh, um, what's the name of the church? Quinton Road. Quinton Road. All right, that's where uh, this program comes from. If you're sitting in Quinton Road Baptist Church, actually they call it Bible Baptist now, I think, but if you're sitting in Quinton Road, what is the, and, and if you don't know it, don't worry about it, what is the key word that they would say to you is the most important thing? For by yeah, it's plastered all over the place. Uh, we use it here almost every week. I don't have a plaster on the wall. I probably should, but it's grace. And, and what is grace? It's that free, unmerited gift. In other words, the Jews and the Gentiles that were fighting against those that were Christians, they're trying to deliver the gospel of the grace of God, and they're getting opposition. So God says, listen, I'm going to do something special for you. I'm going to grant signs and wonders to be done. In other words, did the apostles have the ability to do miraculous things? Absolutely they did. They did marvelous things. 
So we're going to get into that here. Let's go to uh, Acts, and this is, we're getting off into another passage for a minute. But here's, we go back to Acts 2. We're in Acts 14. In Acts chapter 2, God decided to do some miraculous things among the people, so it documented that these are truly people of God. Men of Israel. So who are we speaking to? What group of people? The Jewish people. The Jewish people had to get their minds totally transformed from thinking about everything from an Old Testament concept to coming to where they actually believe in Jesus Christ, who's a total new figure. Here's uh, for 22 and a half points tonight. Did the Jewish people understand who Jesus was? When, they, when, they, when Jesus claimed to be the Messiah the Son of God, what did the Jewish people, think through this now, what did the Jewish people expect Jesus to do? You can yell it out. Say what? Bring the kingdom. Meaning what? He should have come in according to what the Jews, which only had half the, they only did half their Bible study. Is Jesus going to come in as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and take over the earth one day? Absolutely, he's going to during the millennial kingdom, Revelation 21 to 7. They understood that part. They understood Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a son is given. He's born, he's given. So that's speaking of the Messiah. And then the, what's the next part? For unto us a, a, a son is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his government, kingdom, we'll take that too, there shall be no, that's what the Jewish people expected Yeshua, Yahweh, to do. When the king comes, he's going to set this place on fire, wipe out the Roman people, and take his rightful place as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and man, we're going to have it good. Well, I guess they forgot that first part of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a son is born, Jesus. Unto us a son is given, crucifixion. And his name shall be called Millennial Kingdom. Hadn't happened yet. It will happen. Uh, let's see, what else? They forgot Isaiah chapter 53. Never read it. Or if they did, they didn't get it. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch? Acts chapter, I want to say, 16. So we're, we haven't got there yet. That's why I'm not sure it's reference, but I'm pretty sure. Acts chapter 16, the Ethiopian eunuch is in Jerusalem. He's a Gentile proselyte to Judaism. What scroll was he reading? Isaiah 53. What does the eunuch say to Philip, who God told down and to, and to evangelize, if you will, the eunuch? He's reading Isaiah 53, and Philip says what? Hey, hey, buddy, do you, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And what did he say? No, I don't understand it. How can I unless somebody tells me? Well, folks, that's why the Jewish uh, uh, folks, they, it's sitting right there, black and white, Isaiah 53, and the same way Philip explained it to the Ethiopian eunuch, same thing we got to do today. If I'm talking to a Jewish friend that's not saved, I'm going right to Isaiah 53. I'm going to Daniel chapter 9, 24 to 27, and showing them from the Bible who came to die for their sins. And it's like, not necessarily are they going to accept it, but some do, just like some Gentiles come to Christ. All right, I don't want to get too sidetracked. So, uh, 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 Acts 2, man, miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. God did some marvelous, wonderful things to get people's attention to do what? To document who they were. Romans chapter 15 talks about the Apostle Paul. He says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. How did he do it? Paul did what? Mighty signs and wonders by the power of whom? The Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Helicrium, or uh, Il, yeah, Helicrium, 
I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was nameless, I should build on another man's foundation. So that's the missionary heart. So uh, uh, it's like when I, when I came here and took over as pastor three years ago, I'm building on someone else's foundation, quite frankly, right? I mean, you had this church is a hundred and some years old. So it wasn't like I was coming in cold turkey to a place that never had the gospel preached. So we're building on what someone else has started working on and established. Paul says, that's not what I've been called to do. I'm not called to stick in one spot. Paul said, I'm called to go out and to go to the mission field. Folks, we got uh, uh, multiple missionaries that we support here. They go out, they go to fields. Many of them go to where the gospel's never been preached before. The name of Jesus is a foreign term to people. It's amazing. I mean, whether you got saved when you were five years old or you got saved when you were 50 years old, every one of us here, for the most part, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if somebody says, you know, I never heard about Jesus. I lived in America all my life, and I never knew he existed until I was 50 years old. It's not our culture. Our culture believes that there is a Jesus. Then most of them don't understand who Jesus is, but they understand the name at least. They understand about Christmas break. They understand about Easter holidays. So there's some inkling of what we as God's people believe in. All right, let's move on. Let's go back to Acts chapter 14. But the multitude of the city, oh boy, no stranger here. The multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. Well, that's no big surprise. So uh, uh, there's always and always will be until even when, deep, wow, think about this prophetic picture for a minute. Jesus Christ, God's son, is going to be coming down as the king of kings and lord of lords. He comes down in Revelation chapter 19 and sets up his theocratic millennial kingdom. According to Matthew 25, only those that will put their faith and trust in Christ are going to enter the millennium. Will children be born during that 1,000 years? Absolutely. All right? So a lot of folks are going to come to Christ. By the way, where's Satan during that 1,000-year kingdom? He's bound up where the beast and the false prophet are. They bind him up for 1,000 years, which means the only, you can't blame it on Satan during the millennium. Well, Satan made me do it. No, Satan ain't going to make anybody do anything during that 1,000-year kingdom when Jesus is on the earth. At the end of the 1,000-year period, Revelation chapter 20, verse 8, very quick, 10 verses, he talks about 1,000 years, then he goes to what happens after Satan gets unbound. What does Satan do? He goes around the entire earth, and for a thousand years, many folks have come to Christ. Praise the Lord. Many of those that were born, will be born, this is future tense, many of those that will be born are going to reject Christ, and he says they gather them together to be what? He's going to, Christ will destroy them at that time. Isn't it amazing that uh, 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 there's always going to be division? Even when Jesus himself is on this planet, for a thousand years and Satan's bound up, it's still going to be divided. Why? Because there's always the old sinful nature. It's not going away until you're justified. You say, what do you mean to be justified? It means that point in time. Folks, I've, I'm, I've really, and I may not get much further tonight, but this is so important. I have really, in the last three years that I've been here, and all the different folks that we come that visit from all different backgrounds, all different kind of churches. And I've, I, it finally has dawned on me, and this happened maybe six months ago when I had Micah McCreary come in, evangelist. And it's like, you know, I, I've given every, you guys know. I mean, you cannot get out of the building without me getting the gospel in somewhere. Just can't. I'm going to talk about Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I'm going to talk about the grace of God. And yet I knew there, there are and may still be some that it's like, you know, I've always been saved. And I hear that quite a bit. And I'm thinking about that. And if you're one of those that has said that to me, it, please don't feel embarrassed or like I'm pointing you out because nobody else knows who you are. I do. Here's, here's what finally came to mind. And there's a couple of 
fancy theological words that I think we need to get a hold of. Number one is called justification. So justification is something that happens in a point in time. So justification means if God put our sin record on a sheet of paper or a volume or an encyclopedia set in my case, and all of our sins are listed, and all of a sudden something happens where just like took place, and I keep going back to this because it's a perfect illustration, the one barrier for this young lady coming to Christ was never realized that this was included on her record that she actually was a sinner. It's like, well, other people are sinners. I'm not a sinner. And all of a sudden, bam, the Holy Spirit said, oh, yeah, you're a sinner. Oh, I got a problem. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit touched her heart as he has, I trust your heart at some point in time. And at one point in time, you said, wow, bam, light bulb goes on. I'm taking Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Boom. All your sins taken off record, destroyed, never to be brought up again. Justified. Folks, here's the issue. The concept that if you grew up in a Christian family, you went to church all your life, I've always been a Christian. May I kindly and lovingly state the best way I can, no, you haven't. There's no such thing that was raised up in a Christian family. You've always been a Christian. You're not a car because you go into a garage. You're not a Christian because you live in a Christian home. Now, you say, well, that's offensive to me. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to get to that next point. When Micah McCurry Evangelist came, and I literally had him come here because I knew there were some folks I knew, man, I've said everything I think I can say, and it's just not coming through. He came up here, preached, and several folks came to Christ that I've been praying for. And it's like, praise the Lord, it finally got through. The Holy Spirit had to use a different way, a different mouth, a different person in order to reach several folks. And I'm so happy that we brought him in, and we'll do it again, by the way. But here's what I figured out. I think I figured out. Too many of us think we've always been this when we're still this. You say, well, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. There's a point in time when every single one of us needs to realize four little things. Number one, that I am a sinner. Oh, I've always gone to church. So what? I didn't, excuse the way I said that, but so what? So you went to church. I've always believed. You've always believed what? What have you believed? Well, I've always believed in Jesus. I always believed he'd take me to heaven when I die. Okay, maybe you did. But there's got to come a point in time where you say, I personally place my faith and trust in Jesus because I'm a sinner, because I don't deserve to go to heaven, because the wages of my sin is death, eternal separation from God, Romans 6.23. And Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on that cross, for my sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead, and you are not saved until that point in time when you say, yes, I truly know those things, and I'm going to do, here it is, and you all know it, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, God's free, unmerited gift are you saved. What does it mean? Saved from my sin, Say from the penalty of sin, which is eternal life and hell, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. All right, so the concept is this. It's like if we don't understand a point in time when you personally give your, uh, uh, receive the free gift of eternal life, bam, we got nothing. All right, so if, if that's you, and it's like, and I don't even know if anybody in the room is here tonight that, that's in that situation, but if you think you were born a Christian, always been a Christian, always always believed, you got to come to Christ. 
and I just mean that as lovingly and as tenderly as I can. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, it is a point-in-time action where you literally go from this to this. That's justification. All right. Um, the other two words very quickly, and we'll quit, because I obviously didn't get very far tonight. Okay, so we have justification. It's that point in time when you go from having sin on your record to being completely clean. You say, well, what happens if I sin after I come to Christ? I'm justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone, and that is just why now I'm butchering this song. <laughs> and that's it. I'm justified. I, I, I mean, we're justified. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 states this, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are placed into you. The word is baptized, but baptized means to be placed into. It's not water baptism, it's spirit baptism. There's a point in time, the minute you place your faith and trust in Christ, somebody comes to dwell within you. Who is it? Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Know you not Christian that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you belong to him. So uh, you say, why, why do we spend time on this? Listen, folks, you, you know what the saddest day in the world would be? The saddest day in the world for me would be this, and I will close with this. And I'll use an actual illustration, and I've used it maybe once or twice here before. How many of you know who D.L. Moody was? Great evangelist, Chicago preacher, great revivalist preached around the world, absolutely phenomenal. You know one of the reasons why he was so phenomenal? He's preaching at his church, Moody, Moody Church, down in Chicago. And he's, he's preaching uh, about folks should basically come to Christ. He's preaching about hell. And preaching and preaching and preaching, preaching about hell, fired to pun intended, fired the place up, got, got folks centered in on, on looking at, at their horrible, lost, sinful condition. People probably, and I don't remember how many were there, but my recollection is a couple of thousand folks are in the auditorium. And Moody's preaching away on hell. And he says, all right, we're out of time. And he says, you come back next week and I'll tell you how to avoid it. Uh-oh. Cow kicks over the lantern. You know what happens next? Chicago burns. People are killed in the fire. Moody's heart was absolutely destroyed and broken by what had taken place. He remembered that Sunday, just a few days earlier, he had preached about the horrible tortures of hell. Horrible place. Horrible place. Well, you all come back next week and I'll tell you how to avoid it. And his heart was absolutely moved. And, of course, it, it, the Lord used it in a marvelous way in his life. It's like, don't you ever, 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 ever preach another sermon where you don't tell folks how to come to Christ. True or not, his heart believed that many folks went to hell because he failed to give them the gospel that day and invite folks to come to Christ. And he probably is right. What a sad thing. What a sad thing if at Union Grove Baptist Church, I skipped it. Like, man, you know, it's getting late. I've, I always preach too long. I know that. And uh, it's like, man, you know, I should be out of here on time. And it's like, man, if I give the gospel, it's another five minutes. And some are sitting out in the auditorium here or somebody who somebody brought here, invited to come. And they brought them because every single week they know there's a shot that they'll hear the gospel and come to Christ. And if I said, forget it, I'm, I just, I'm not going to waste the people's time. They need to go home and watch the Packer game tonight. And they need to go home and eat their dinner. And I skipped it just because. Next thing you know, who knows? Plane crashes into their house. People get killed in a horrible ice storm. Bomb hits. Who knows? What a tragedy. What's the point? I'm going to go right back to our theme and 
By the way, I also close at least three or four times every message. So I'm, 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 about, I'm on my fourth closing, so I should be about done. Why do we care about revival, folks? People are dying. People are going to hell. And God said, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, you are my ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Would you please get out there and do his work? That's what he asked us to do. That's what he asked me to do. And folks, I'm so happy that the pig, you've been doing it. I'm so happy that at Mulberries, you've been doing it. I'm so happy that at Dairy Queen, you've been doing it in other places and the corn stands and different places that will go and people say, oh yeah, I know about Union Grove Baptist Church. I've met some folks there and you give them, just please keep it up. You don't want to be like Moody someday and say, man, I got another closing, but I'm not going to give it. I could just keep going because it's so important. All right, folks, let's, uh, let's keep on keeping on. We'll uh, get back into Acts 14 next week, but when we look at the concept of revival, let's get charged up. Let's keep looking in and uh, uh, making sure we don't dishonor God by going back to this. Let's try and get as close to this as we can. You won't be perfect. You'll mess up. That's called sanctification. That's the other two or three words. Sanctification is continually getting more and more like Christ. And the final one is glorification, where we are like Christ when we die and get to heaven. Finally done with the sin nature. All right, we all good? Thanks for being here. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these dear folks. Lord, you know I love them. I, I care so much about uh, the folks that are here and uh, the, the many working right now down in Awana and the rooted teens. Father, would you do what only you can do in the hearts of the, uh, the young people right now? If there's any unsaved that are here today, may they understand the gospel before they walk out of the building in a few minutes. And then, Father, for the Christians that are here, the young folks, and even those of us in this room, Lord, would you, would you help us to walk with you this week? Would you help us to spend time with you this week? Would you help us to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek your face and to turn from uh, anything that we shouldn't be doing? And then, Father, we ask that you'd continue to work here at this church, continue to uh, build it, continue to uh, help us to be more like you, help us to keep going out into the community and telling folks the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And all God's people said... Amen. All right, folks, have a great day.